Welcome to Level 99. I'm your host, Pete. So for this week's agenda, I really wanted to talk about what is cloud. You know, we've all kind of heard of the term cloud, cloud computing, cloud services. What is it? So what is cloud computing? You know, the simplest explanation I can come up with is you are paying for what you need to use from another person's data center. Now, to simplify that even more, Microsoft has a great breakdown of what cloud is. Cloud computing is the delivery of computing services, including servers, cloud storage, databases, networking, software, analytics, and intelligence over the internet, quote unquote, the cloud, to offer faster innovation, flexible resources, and economics of scale. You typically don't pay for only services you use, helping you lower your operating costs to run your infrastructure more efficiently and scale your business as needed. The major cloud vendors that are used at a enterprise level and what I kind of call the quote unquote, the cloud trinity, AWS, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform, and Microsoft Azure. I should state that there are other cloud service providers. However, from my experience, any medium to large US-based company will use those main three providers. Due to the size of those three companies, they usually offer great promotions for small companies to host websites. With my experience in AWS, I use their free tier to host my website, level99podcast.com. It is a static uh, website using uh, S3, CloudFront, and other services. So the website itself only costs me to run $12 a year, and that is just for the domain name with a 50 cent cost for Lambda at Edge. So in total, I am looking at less than $20 a year just for a simple website, where if I would have gone to other service providers, they had a lot of uh, criteria and tier-based as well. So for a simple website like mine, uh, the cost would have been anywhere between 120 to 200 and it had a bandwidth set. So if I hit the limit, I had to be upgraded to the next tier. If I wanted additional features on my website, I had to pay for that. But this way, I own it, $20, it's not that expensive, you know, it's not going to break the bank. I was uh, fortunate to find an open source website template to use to redesign and make it fit my needs. The website is based off on HTML off a template provided by Colorlib. I'm not a web developer or a expert in web design, but you know, Google and YouTube is our best friend. Learned what I needed, deleted, modified, customized the website down to my needs. So if you ask me like, hey, what does this line do? I have no freaking idea, right? All I know is I take this, put it in there, type that in, boom, it works. Essentially a good skill to have if you are looking to become a sysadmin or an engineer of some sorts. You wanna be able to hop into what you need, figure it out and make it work. Now I should also state that if you are a complete novice in AWS or other services, It can be a bit of a challenge and definitely overwhelming if this is, you know, your first time doing it or if this is 
something you are learning to do. If you do decide to attempt it, please take your time. Do not rush it. It doesn't matter if you launch a website in 10 minutes versus 10 weeks. As long as you take your time and don't make mistakes. We have all heard of the horror stories when someone leaves or forgets a service that they spun up and then they get hit by a very hefty bill at the end of the month. During one of the meetup events I had attended in the past, I met a, a fellow attendee who that kind of happened to him. You know, he was trying to learn. He didn't clean up after himself. End of the month, he got hit by a $2,500 charge. Of course, Amazon being Amazon and they have a great customer service. He was freaking out, called them. And from what I understand, this has not happened to me, but from what I was told is, you know, he explained to them the situation. They went in to investigate. They saw that one, he hasn't logged in in over a month. There has been no traffic to the resource that he had spun up. There was no usage at all. Uh, I think they were using CloudTrail and CloudFront, I'm sorry, CloudTrail and CloudWatch to troubleshoot and identify if this is actually was done a mistake. But, you know, after a few weeks, they had canceled the cost and given him uh, a refund of his money. Things like this does happen. But don't, definitely don't depend on this happening to you or depending every time. So again, take your time, be careful. And once you are done, you know, take a break, go back and double check. Make sure you didn't leave anything behind. Now, the best thing to do is that does happen. Definitely check your, your billing section. See what's costing you. Now, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about cloud management in another episode. The top six benefits of cloud for anyone is going to be cost, right? Because you can cut down or eliminate the capital expense of buying hardware and software, eliminate or reduce the time it takes setting up and running an on-site data center, whether you own the whole facility or if it's just a cage, the cost of labor, cost of uh, the server racks, power, depending on if you are renting a cage, that's real estate. And most facilities then offer white glove service, so on and so forth. So that cost does definitely add up fairly quickly. The second benefit is going to be speed. This is very important, especially in higher mid to large enterprise companies, because you know they want to be able to get services out there to the customers as fast as they can, or even to their staff internally. So the second category is going to be speed, offering self-service and on-demand resources to be provisioned in minutes rather than creating a ticket, putting in the details of what you need and waiting on the team to pick it up, provision it, and going back and forth on what your requirements are, as well as reduces the pressure of capacity planning because the teams are being overwhelmed with the tickets, they have to figure out how much work they can pick up, so on and so forth. Third is going to be global scale. The ability to easily scale at any time, in other words, to increase your resources when needed in any region. So let's say you have a e-commerce site and you're noticing that you're getting hit huge, a lot of traffic coming in, in, in the Eastern European area. Sure, spin up an instance there or clone it and you're good to go. Or let's say in, uh, you're getting a lot of traffic coming in from South America it's causing your website to, to uh, slow down. You can easily scale your your infrastructure and resources in South America and help the traffic. 
Fourth is going to be performance, because hardware is regularly upgraded to the latest generation. You don't have to pay for that. You don't have to worry about that. That's all being taken care of in the back end. These cloud providers will be automatically re removing service stacks, putting in new service stacks, making sure you have the latest and greatest hardware so that way they can provide for their clients, as well as the latest OS offering. You know, if you need a new Windows 10 machine or a new uh, Red Hat operating system, you don't have to worry about getting a license. You don't have to worry about calling the vendor, making a deal, getting procurement on the line, and all that stuff. You can just go to your launch configs, and you can see the price structure already there for you, how much it's going to cost per hour, on what instance size, and you can just go from there. So convenience at its best. And most importantly, reliability. You know, cloud makes data backups, disaster recovery, business continuity easier and very a lot less expensive. Cloud offers data to be copied at multiple redundant sites on cloud providers network. So what does all that mean? As I'm very familiar with with Amazon, so I'm going to be using that a lot as an example in this episode. So let's say you have an instance and you need that to be backed up. So you have a few options. And it all depends on your business requirements, let alone what your application needs. You can either take manual uh, snapshots and AMIs, or you can just turn that into a, using the AWS backup tool, automate it, set a job in a life cycle, and then off chance you ever need to recover, boom, you have it there. Or you can do it in a hot to hot uh, backup. So you have a live site on the East Coast that replicates the data live to a hot site the West Coast, so if your website goes down, you can easily transfer the Elastic Load Balancer to that zone. Again, depends on your requirements and your company's needs, but all these options are available to you. Last but not least is going to be security. You know, It offers a wide set of tools to enhance your company's security stance, help protect data, apps, and resources from potential threats. Now, you should remember that a lot of these cloud providers, they will always maintain the physical hardware security, but it is up to you to design the security of the application and your infrastructure. So it doesn't matter how secure their facilities are, because if you're lacking you know, SSL, the right security groups, so on and so forth, you might be compromising yourself. However, these cloud providers do provide you all the right tools you need for success. Cloud in general, usually has three different hosting options between public, private, and hybrid. So public cloud is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it is owned and operated by the vendor. So Amazon, Google, Microsoft, so on and so forth. You can access the resources over the internet at any time. It is maintained and owned by the cloud provider. Now this is majority of all use case models. It's the most common and this is what you will see about 70% of companies that are either moving, starting, so on and so forth. Private cloud is, you're going to see this more often in the government sector companies. So private cloud will be hosted in your own data center. It will be used exclusively by only one organization. Nothing will be shared with anyone else. And it's definitely not accessible over the internet. 
these services and infrastructure are maintained on a private network and you are responsible for everything, hardware, software, and maintenance. This is mainly used, as I mentioned, in a highly secure environment, government agencies, government contractors, and any other organizations that require top-level security. The last category is gonna be hybrid cloud, and it's in the name. It's a combination of both public and private cloud. Access depends on your organization sets up. It's a great way to extend what you have on-prem gives you more flexibility and allows existing infrastructure and security and compliance. So let's say you already have a data center, but you're not trying to fully move everything. You have some legacy things that is going to kick back. What you can do is create a direct connect, expand your, your infrastructure into the cloud, and you can have both the cloud and on-prem working together. It's a little bit more difficult to set up but it is definitely doable and it definitely does have its, its advantages, especially if you're gonna be migrating over a long period of time. You want to slowly phase out your existing on-prem uh, environment. The last category I wanna cover that I think is gonna be beneficial for everyone's understanding of cloud is gonna be that most cloud services fall into four broad categories. Infrastructure as code, platform as a service, serverless, and most importantly, software as a service. These are sometimes called a cloud computing stack because they build on top of one another. Knowing what they are and how they are different makes it easier to accomplish your business goals. So as you guys are going to be working more into these environments, you know, having an understanding of these different services will be beneficial to all of you. So let's start with the first one, right? Infrastructure as a service is the most basic category of cloud computing services. You know, you rent your infrastructure, your servers, and your virtual machines, storage, network operating systems from the vendor. And you have a pay-as-you-go basis. Platform as a service refers to cloud computing services that supply an on-demand environment for developing, testing, delivering and managing software applications. PaaS is designed to make it easier for developers to quickly create web or mobile apps without worrying about getting into or managing the underlying infrastructure of servers, storage, network, and databases needed for developing. Serverless computing focuses on building an app functionality without spending time on continuously managing the servers and infrastructure to do so. So you will see this a lot in Amazon with with Lambda and other resources like that. And of course, lastly, software as a service. Software as a service is a method for developing a software application over the internet, on demand, and typically on a subscription base. With SaaS, you know, cloud providers often manage software applications and underlying infrastructure, handling any maintenance like software upgrades, patching, so on and so forth. Users connect to the application over the internet, usually with a web browser, phone, tablet, or whatever. So hopefully that answers a lot of the questions you all had about what is cloud and 
you know, I really wanted to cover all these topics because I felt that is what is important to know, at least the basics of what cloud is. You know, these are a lot of things that I learned, a lot of things that I kind of needed to know when I was starting off my journey in cloud. But before we do wrap up, definitely check out the website, level99podcast.com. Until next week, everyone.